Hello, friends and listeners of the LeaderCast podcast. This is Mo, the producer, jumping on really quick before this episode starts to let you know that we are going to be wrapping up season one of the podcast. The final episode in season one will be coming out on April 23rd. We are going to be coming back with an even better season two later this year. Stay tuned on our socials for updates as we know more, and thank you for being an avid listener. So when I was about <laughs> six, I think, I must have been about six, my parents got called by the principal and the principal of the, the kindergarten said, if your daughter does it again, we're going to have to expel her. Welcome to the LeaderCast podcast, a weekly deep dive into the stories that transformed our guests into leaders worth following. I'm your host, Joe Boyd. Today's guest is Lena Thompson. A lot of us focus on our professional development. Lena's going to show us that what she calls personal development is even more important. Also, she almost got kicked out of kindergarten in Russia. Lena Thompson, welcome to the LeaderCast podcast. Excited to have you today. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Joe, for having me. I'm also excited. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I uh, read a little bit about you, and this is our first time meeting, so it's it's uh, I'm excited. I I kind of noticed that a lot of your work is around uh, kind of personal health and kind of burnout. Um, and I'm not saying I'm burnt out, but I've been a little stressed lately. So maybe you can personally just, I, I, you, I can be the person you help today. <laughs> we won't worry about the rest of the people. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. If, if I can help one person, my help is done. There you go. There you go. Could you tell us in your own words, just a little bit about what your work is, what you do these days. And then I want to ask some more questions about your, uh, your past. Yeah. So my passion is actually to bridge the gap between spiritual and corporate worlds, um, because I truly believe that self-awareness has a big place in a future work. So I speak at corporate events, I do podcasts and webinars and a friend of uh, my friend and I, we also started a 95 spirituality channel to help people who want to really bring them full self work because through my speaking and traveling, I've met so many people who have this more kind of a spiritual, explorational, creative side of them, and they struggle to incorporate it into day to day life. And that's what I'm here to help people to do. I love that. I'm excited to learn more about that. Uh, let's. Uh, can you uh, take me back in time a little though? Let me uh, learn a little bit about what you're like. Uh, specifically as a kid, I just, I always love to, to know that. What kind of kid were you, uh, what sort of, uh, early aspirations and dreams did you have? What was childhood like? So I grew up in Soviet Russia, which okay. was a very different upbringing to my kids now in England. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, my earliest memory was, uh, that I was expelled, almost expelled from nursery at the age of five. Because I had this passion for for reincarnation, for souls, you name it. I, I read Gogol, who's like a Russian Shakespeare. I mean, I don't know. He's like a really famous writer when I was really, really young. And his book, like, shook me to the core. It's all about the soul searching, reincarnation, past lives. And I used to gather kids around me and tell them the stories. And then the parents would phone the nurse and complain that the kids couldn't sleep at night. So when I was about <laughs> six, I think, I was a bit about six, my parents got called by the principal. And the principal of the, the kindergarten said, if your daughter does it again, we're going to have to expel her. Oh, no. <laughs> so I just kept being told off. And I'm like, but it's the truth. Can't you see that? <laughs> I feel like if your reading level was that so, good, you should have just jumped on to like fifth grade or something. 
Exactly, right? right. That's what I said. I'm like, no, but don't, nobody could really understand what I was yes, from. <laughs> don't expel her, promote her. Uh, but I actually know absolutely nothing about how the Soviet Russian school system worked. Uh, how, how long, uh, how long were you in Russia? Were you there your whole childhood? I was there until I was 13. Okay. And when I was 13, uh, Russia opened borders up so mm-hmm. we could immigrate. And my dad is Jewish. So amongst other millions of Jewish people, we went to Israel and we stayed there for a year. And then after we immigrated to South Africa, and that's where I left until I was in my mid-20s before coming to UK. Your accent is fascinating. I can hear a little bit of all of it, I feel like. When you said yeah, it was South Africa for sure. Yeah, I don't think you can hear any Hebrew accents, but uh, I mean, yeah, there's like a muddled up South African. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love that. That's That was quite a journey. So you ended up in, uh, after the year in Israel, I'm sorry, you went... Were you then in England after that? South Africa. Oh, South Africa. Then. South, South Africa when I was 14. Gotcha. Yeah, and then lived there until mid-20s. Have you been back to visit Russia? Uh, I actually went there during the middle of the lockdown when they opened up. Okay. You know, we had a temporary gap. Uh, I went there to volunteer at uh, at a spiritual event called, well, with Dr. Jody Spencer. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. But he's a neuroscientist who bridges the gap between science and spiritual. And he actually was the person who's responsible for my whole life <laughs> turning around. <laughs> and when I knew, when I heard that he is presenting, speaking in Russia, I contacted the Russian team and I'm like, I speak English and Russian. Would you guys have me? And they're like, yeah, come over. Nice. So that was the last time I went. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit, bit about that. Tell me, uh, I know, uh, you had, uh, a moment in your life that you talked about where things sort of changed. Um, what was your early professional career like? Yeah. So, I mean, I grew up believing that unless I was, I mean, I excelled in math and science, my life will amount to nothing. It was very like hardcore academic while I was, you know, I wanted to explore the unknown, the spiritual and all of those like dead people and reincarnation. That was always my interest, but that wasn't really developed for this reasons. I mean, nobody really was into it in the Russia 1980s. And um, which, you know, I'm really grateful for because that enabled me to have a very successful career. So I was in a corporate environment for over 15 years. I actually got a transfer from South Africa to UK because of my job. And I ended up working at Microsoft, Ministry of Defense. I've traveled the world as an IT consultant. Um, and, but to be honest, traveling probably was the only part I really enjoyed. And when I had kids, I couldn't really travel as much. And with time, I really started questioning, you know, my purpose. I knew it wasn't it. There was something deeper, but I couldn't figure out what it was. So that's really, you know, then I discovered Dr. Jody Spencer. Uh, very randomly, although even nothing happens randomly. And I started, I went to his events in 2018, I believe. He came to UK in Brighton. And yeah, my life has never been the same since. What was it about those events and his message that resonated so much? Well, I firstly realized that we're not living our true potential. We're really settling for things that we believe we must be doing because that's what we're told by society, by parents. That's what we you know, conditioned to believe. But in the meantime, we do have a power to change our lives. We do have a power to pursue our dreams. And all it takes is willingness. 
and getting comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. And I know, you know, it often takes a moment of crisis of something really in our lives to fall apart before we like start looking at things differently. But for me, it was just willingness to change because I've always been, you know, even though I grew up like very tough and resilient and strong, it has always been like my strength, but I've emotionally I, I can't sound stable i mean that's probably the wrong word but my emotions controlled me yeah so i was always like governed by my emotions and i was always trying to make sure that the things around me perfectly lined up so that i was happy or fulfilled and when they didn't i would literally lose my cool i would be either angry or sad or frustrated and there came a point in my life where i began to observe myself and i was like well this expensive holiday didn't actually feel that fulfilling. I wasn't even feeling happy. Hmm. You know, I wasn't really finding happiness in the material possessions. It just started changing for me. And I actually went to his events looking for a way to release my anxiety uh, and to find more self-confidence, like for me to speak up and say what I want, because I've never really done that. I was trying to always tiptoe around people. And, um, I came out a very different person, you know, I just was determined to change my life around. I didn't know what I wanted, yeah. but I got clear on what I didn't want. Hmm. Uh, well, how did, how do you go from not to find what you want? Like, how do you go from that point? I, I asked selfishly as uh, I'm dealing with uh, an amazing kid who happens to be my own kid who uh, has just graduated from college and he, he kind of knows lots of things he doesn't want to do, but he's, He's not sure what he does want to do. So very selfishly as a dad, what advice do you give to kind of go figure that out? I think we need all time and space to explore it. You know, there is no a very defined path because I do believe we all have our own journey in this lifetime. And the best thing we can encourage, I mean, I've got a 16-year-old and a 10-year-old, is to trust themselves, is to, I mean, Always it helps me, you know, when, let's say, because I found my passions through really tapping back into my childhood. What was I passionate about? What are my interests were? And even allowing him just to explore the variety. What are the interests? Because at the end of the day, the most important thing we can do is to do something that fulfills us, right? And we can always make success, you know, if it's cutting grass, if it's serving coffee and you're so passionate, you can excite it. You can actually build an empire out of this. And that's what, I mean, I want every person to really find the strength and courage to explore, like what lights my heart, what sets my soul on fire and really kind of explore it. And if they don't know, like I said to my son, like, if you don't know what to do, just take a gap year. There's no rush. Right. There's never rush to yeah. do anything. Yeah. My advice is go try something. Uh, walk a certain direction. And even that my story was, there were certain things I thought I wanted and in walking the direction towards them, I found things I actually wanted more. You know what I mean? But it was, to me, it was the process, the journey of taking those steps that, that opened up more of the world to me. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, just take a step like in a direction that feels probably most fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't need to be like, this is it, my life purpose. Some of people, you know, are lucky. They, they come into this life knowing exactly what they want to do, like a doctor or a lawyer or a writer. And that's awesome. But for majority of people that I have come across, they don't know. And then they get settled into this life, believing that this is it because they've got bills to pay. They've got kids or they don't have kids. They want to get married. They want to get divorced. There's always excuses. 
but just realizing that life is not fixed, it's very fluid, and we have the power to change it with our imagination. So even allow your son, like, maybe to sit down and write, like, what would I absolutely love? Mm -hmm. Like, how amazing, like, what would I, what would blow my mind? And let him just get creative and just create this narrative, you know, and that really sets the energy into motion to create the reality that's, Maybe we'll blow his mind one yeah, day. And yeah, yours. Right, right. Oh, right. I know. He's a very talented kid. He's more, more than me for sure. Uh, so I'm not worried long-term, but it's just kind of, uh, I think I'm, I had so much ambition that was a little misplaced actually and not, not entirely healthy, but it did give me a place to go towards. So I think I've noticed, and I, it might be a little generational or American or who knows, but a lot of his friends are in a similar place where, uh, they just don't seem to have that kind of drive that I remember my friends having at that age, but I don't think it's any better or worse necessarily. It's just kind of leading, uh, helping, helping to lead someone that is, has a different lived experience than me basically. Right. Exactly. And it's just being an open-minded yeah. about it. Right? We're all so unique. We're not just unique, like physically, biologically, chemically, like, but also energetically. And, you know, I mean, everybody is just on a, such a different journey. Yeah. And I'm not saying we need to encourage, you know, like our kids to sit on a couch and like do nothing for a year, yeah. but even just like, just let them explore it, you know, just let them also choose, like tell them to choose three different options or give them three different options, which one feels most exciting. And then let them explore it. Yeah. And if not, as I said, you know, just sit down and create your narrative because we wake up with a clean slate every single day and every single day we can design how our day will go because our day will go in either direction. But the thing is, we've got the power to control it. And I think, you know, kids really need to be more aware of that, of the power that we have over creating our reality. That's great. And I, I want to use kind of a, try to use like a, mental image for you maybe to help us as a metaphor. So I, I meet a lot of folks who uh, I would say the, w- the words that they say back to me is they, they sort of sound like they're in a prison of their, maybe of their own making, but they, that they're in a prison uh, and they are due to get out in three years or five years or 10 years or 20 years. And that's kind of how they talk about their career. Um, they've, they've gotten to a place where they realize they really don't like it. They're not very fulfilled. Um, it's not what they want to do, but they have sort of made a covenant with themselves that I'm just going to get through this season. Um, I feel like I've had more folks say those sorts of words to me coming out of the pandemic over the last two years than before. I'm just curious how, what is your instinctual response when someone says something like that to you? Developing world-class leaders in your community is now easier than ever with LeaderCast. In addition to our flagship May event, becoming a presenting partner allows you to stream multiple events per year, each with an opportunity to earn money. The new LeaderCast lets you invite 1 to 1,000 people with unlimited streaming opportunities. Check out more at LeaderCast.com or the link in our bio. I'm really sad when people tell me that, you know, but I completely understand what it's like to be in that situation where you're just working because you're doing things just out of a habit, stuck in that rut, believing that there is no other choice. And that's why I believe 
personal development comes into place, you know, um, even like being in a work environment, organizations invest so much into professional developments, but barely anything is being invested into personal development. But what I mean is like people are getting into the self-inquiry and asking themselves, who am I? Like, what is my purpose? What do I want? And, you know, for me, I guess, maybe because of my upbringing and so much, I guess, traveling and so much exposure to different cultures, I was like, I'm done. I'm quitting my job. I'm leaving my six-figure career behind. I'm going to start the business. I know nothing about it. And I'm going to start another one. And I'm going to remortgage my house and my flat. And maybe, but I mean, I never hesitated. It never stopped me. It's just like, I'm like, I'm done, you know? Uh, but for other people, it's different, right? We all have our strengths and our weaknesses. And we all, once again, have a journey in this life. And I believe if people are not ready, they won't be ready. You know, and maybe that's their path in this life because we can't change anyone. Only people we can change is ourselves and then be example. And then if people come to you and say, hey, how did you manage to change this? Then you can share with them. But otherwise, I'm just holding space for you and I hope you find your happiness. What if uh, What if there are a lot of people, I'm thinking of people actually like driving into work, listening to our conversation, right? And And, and they're kind of thinking, well, I might be ready. I, I might be ready to change something, but it's scary, and I don't know how where to start. So I'm curious, do you what do you tell folks? What what can they do today at their lunch hour, or t- how do you start that process of kind of envisioning a new future? Yeah. So firstly, I want to say that I mean I kind of took a crazy, well, crazy <laughs> I guess approach. I literally quit everything. Right. You know, like just quitting this, this, that, that. Sold a family house. It was everything. But I guess. It was my soul growth. It was for me to grow and evolve and to make so many, I guess, mistakes, even though they're not mistakes. I believe everything is a lesson and everything Mm -hmm. is an opportunity to grow. And the tougher the lesson, the more we grow. For me to really understand that not everybody has to do that and that if you want to change something in our lives, we can start with a small step, you know, like even asking yourself, what do I love? Like, yeah. what would light me up today? What is it that I love? You know, I was working with uh, with someone uh, a couple of years ago, and she was in a corporate arena, and then she started a couple of businesses that didn't go well. And she's like, I don't know what to do with my life. So after our few sessions, it actually, I said to her, why don't you like journal? And I gave a few journaling prompts. And she's like, I hate journaling. <laughs> Absolutely hate it. Um, and then after a while, we just worked together. She remembered the memory from a childhood popped up when she used to be very creative. She used to love writing stories. Yeah. And one day her dad walked into a room and he shouted at her for not doing her math homework. And she put away a diary and she never wrote in it again. And then mm. she said, you know what? I'm going to go write a book. Wow. And the thing <laughs> is, it's always going back to our childhood, yeah. right? And for me, it was like looking for this dead souls for their time machines going to the cemeteries in the middle of the night at the age of nine i mean i don't know what i was doing right but i've always been fascinated with i guess i mean back then we called it supernatural now i would actually call it natural stuff yeah but that's my passion and that's what i mean that's why spirituality is such a big part of my life but maybe people used to love paint or to sing or to whatever it is you know so remember that you know so even just like the thing is, I believe we are too busy. We're too busy putting things into our daily lives, running from one thing to next. And even when we're not running, we still make sure we do run towards something. 
But just like my advice always to slow down, like literally like find a few minutes in your day where you could just sit and pause. And even if you don't know what you meant to do with your life, you can ask your intuition, like, you know, like, mm-hmm. hey, give me, like, give me a suggestion or something. And then another thing, I when mean, I work with human design, I don't know if you ever come across human design, um, but human, our human design, because the theory is, or I mean, it's a science, I guess, we all have our energetic DNA, our energetic blueprints. And that shows us who we are, who we truly are, not who we think we are. There's a big difference. And also by looking at the human design, I can help people remember what their life purpose is. Hmm. And for me, when I first discovered human design, it's it changed my entire life. And when I started then digging deeper and looking at my life purpose, that's when everything clicked into place. And I'm like, I knew that. I knew that when I was five years old and right. I've forgotten about it. So that's just a great way to also, it won't even be something completely new to you, but it will reaffirm something that you've already known. I love that. I have, to, I have not heard of that exactly. I'll need to look that up. Uh, I, your interest in uh, um, maybe the world that's not obvious to everyone else uh, growing up is interesting to me. Uh, part of my career path was actually uh, I went to seminary to become a, a pastor minister. Uh, and so there's very much uh, some similar things, I think, as a, as a kid for me of just believing there was more to this. For me, I think the uh, we don't need to fully get into this, but the the marriage between spirituality and religion then becomes uh, makes it sometimes difficult to talk to people about, particularly in a in a in a work environment. And then there's different cultures in different countries and nations as well. But I think particularly here in America, the last six years or so, it's been sort of uh, difficult to have conversations that sort of get close to religion. Uh, in the workplace and nobody, most people don't want to feel like they're imposing it on anyone. Right. But I think we are spiritual creatures. So long winded question is, uh, do you ever run into that in your work and practice, uh, in terms of advising folks, um, how to sort of talk about spiritual things in ways that maybe, uh, wouldn't initially turn someone off or rub them the wrong way or anything like that? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I actually was speaking to a few people about that exact uh, subject. And for me, the way at least I see spirituality in a corporate environment is self-awareness, right? Because what is spirituality? It's being aware. It's being aware of your needs, of your strengths, of your weaknesses, and also being able to take control of your emotions. And that's the biggest thing for me, because I believe the biggest reason why we still have conflicts and why we're still trying to solve the same problems year after year after year is because people are not willing to take responsibility for their actions and their emotions and their behavior, because it's always easier to blame someone outside of you for making you feel a certain way rather than go, hang on a second, what is it reflecting within me? So for me, that spirituality is just pure self-awareness. Are there any examples of, can, uh, when you think of leadership uh, and the folks you've worked with, um, and we, we use the word culture a lot, like leaders create a culture, right, in their company or their place of business, their division, whatever. Um, can you think of sort of best practices uh, of leaders to kind of to, that help create an environment like that? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I believe that 
in order to be a leader, you've got to be able to self-lead yourself first. And mm-hmm. uh, um, self-awareness, again, is the key because, once again, it helps you understand what is it that you are good at, what are your weaknesses, and how your emotions have impacts on, on others. It's also being able to connect to people in the room, you know, to sense their emotions, their feelings, their perceptions, and then to find more effective ways of collaborating and communicating. So for me, really, to be an effective leader, it's all about deep self-knowledge and self-reflection, you know, like how like how did I behave today? How did I show up? What could I have done differently? How could I have communicated more effectively? It's slowing things down and really having time for yourself to process that. So, yeah, and I mean, you know, the way I see it, that's a leader and their self-awareness, and that's why I believe spirituality is so strong because I worked in a corporate environment, as I said, for 15 years, you Mm -hmm. know, and I've been part of many teams. I worked with CEOs, directors, but only really two people I can think of that really, really stuck in my head because they were the kind of people who really knew how to inspire and energize people around them. Because most of the leaders I worked with, like team managers, you know, they were all about hitting KPIs, milestones, doing team performance reviews. That's great. Yeah. But being a leader is actually being service to others. Yeah. And knowing how to inspire and energize people around them. One kind of last like practical thing I wanted to ask you about. So journaling has come up several times. I would say there, there's a book by Julia Cameron called The Artist's Way that was super impactful to me in my 20s. Uh, and she just taught a daily practice. She called them morning pages, but um, that you you write without lifting your hand every morning just to the bottom of the page. It usually took about 10 minutes. Um, and I've, I've come back to that several times in my life. Whenever I just feel so like I can't figure out what's going on, there is some magic, right? It's it, In writing it down, it just... It, then I was on the page, so it's not in my brain. Something about it just sort of works. Um, and because I would say I'm not a natural journal. I didn't have a diary as a kid or anything like that, but that de- definitely helped me. And then I recently did a visioning uh, exercise where you just envision five years out and you say, my life has never been better. And then it's the same thing. You just write and write and write. And uh was hugely impactful and helpful to me to kind of see, you know, the stuff that was in there but I hadn't verbalized to anyone. Once it's written, you start actually doing it. You know what I mean? You start looking for it. Um, so I'm just curious when you think of journaling and your practice, do you have any practical specific tips for folks on, uh, on how to journal or how to use sort of the written, written page to help help them? Yeah, so firstly, I do have to confess, I'm also like, journaling doesn't come to me easy. I mean, at one stage, it was like journaling so much almost every day, just depends where I am. You know, I trust my intuition to tell me what is the best practice? What is it that I need now? Sometimes it's just sitting on a couch for an hour and just listening to silence or observing my thoughts, which are going like completely crazy, but I am dissociating, I'm observing, I'm like, and then I hear the mess in my head and I'm like, well, Who's actually thinking? How can I trust this mess? Because once one minute tells me this, then it tells me that. I'm like, how can I actually trust my thoughts? They're just all over the place. So, and then other times I would want to, for example, journal, or I might want to do guided meditation. But when it actually comes to journaling, um, 
I've got this one practice and when I applied it, it's honestly like I've created some <laughs> miracles in my life. Even the impossible became possible. And the way it works is like you literally have a brain dump of everything, like what you were sharing just now. Let's say everything you want to have in your life, career, your relationships, money, whatever it is, you can write like three, four pages. And then you go and you summarize it and you summarize it maybe into 10 lines. So 10 to 15, not more than that. So maybe you can say like, I want to become a CEO. I want to like six figure career. I want to have an amazing loving partner. I want to travel all over the world. So you get the gist, right? So you write 10, 15 lines down. And then every day you spend, let's say 10 minutes just journaling. So what would it feel like if you were already CEO of the company? How would you feel? What would you be doing? What you'd be wearing? Where would you be shopping? And you literally like write into it. And then you just read through the other 10, 15 lines and just maybe just close your eyes and just imagine that. And that's like 20 minute process. When I did that, Joe, I mean, it blew my mind. You know, it was about two years ago. On the top there, I was I said that I want to speak at a paid events okay it was a life event and I want to get paid for yeah. it because back then I did webinars and I also want to see my family my family are in Ukraine and Germany and there was a few other things but those were my two top two a month later the war broke out between Russia and Ukraine mm. but I was like I don't care about the war I'm going to carry on <laughs> and a few months later I've got this message from this guy in um in Germany and they were putting on an event together called the future of the employee in Berlin and they fly me. It was a paid speaking gig, live event with hundreds of people. I phoned my dad. He was in Ukraine. And my family also, I've got a family in Germany. So he managed to get the last train tickets. Wow. So he came to Germany. And at the, after the event, I went to my cousin's house. And my aunt, who also lived in Ukraine, she relocated to Germany. My dad from Ukraine and my whole family were there. And I'm like, not <laughs> even the wall can stand on the way, right? And I mean, that's what I'm saying. Imagination is our superpower. But when we use imagination, where people I think get it wrong is that they're afraid to take actions. Yeah. You know, because they just, and that's the dream between fantasy and imagination, because if you don't act on it, it's just a fantasy. I love, thank you. I'm so glad we got to that story. Thank you for telling me that. I, I just think I hold space that there's some great mystery in the universe that just by admitting it to ourselves, things start to happen. I hold space for that, but also I believe that just writing something down trains our brains to look for opportunities uh, to have to have those things happen. There's something very like rote about that as well. The fact that I know that this is kind of what I want to do soon or someday when an opportunity comes along, we might have totally dismissed. But because that's on the top of our mind, we're thinking, oh, that's that's a pathway to get to where I want to go. So thank you so much, uh, Elena, for your time. If uh, I'm sure folks around would love to connect with you or, or see any resources you have, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Uh, it will be LinkedIn, and it's just really simple, Lena Thompson, or they can also check out our YouTube 9259-2-T-O-5-Spirituality uh, on YouTube. So those will be the best places. Okay, great. We'll put those links on the on the bio and the in the podcast as well. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. Thanks a lot, Joe. Thanks for having me. In today's ultra-competitive job market, top-tier talent are leaving companies in search of top-tier professional development. Now more than ever, you must invest in your emerging leaders. LeaderCast 365 is a world-class professional development system featuring 
access to three annual LeaderCast events, a post-event journey to activate the inspiration and insights gained from LeaderCast events, plug-and-play lunch and learn programs with group discussion questions, concise video courses to address weaknesses and build upon strengths, and our library of more than 1,200 short-form videos from a slate of industry experts organized into 16 key professional development categories. Invest in your all-star employees and attract new top talent to join them with LeaderCast 365.